Turn your Bibles to Malachi. See, I told you, technology will fail you, amen? Let there be sound. And so we're going into Malachi chapter 2. We talked about Malachi chapter 1. You know, we were focusing on why did God hate uh, Esau when we should have been focusing on why did God love Jacob? Amen? It's funny that it's interesting that we like to question God. Like we know better than God. Amen? Like we, like, we know better than God, or we think, hey, God, I think you should do it like this. Have you ever been around somebody that tries to tell you something to do, and you already know what you're doing? Anybody? Anybody at all? Like, you know your job. You've done it for a while. And then you get this rookie coming on the scene and say, you know, we should try it like this. We should use that one thingamajig and just drill a hole over here. And you're, like, look, you're looking at him like, how long have you been doing this? Three days. And that's how we do with God sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we, oh, I've been serving God for five years. God's been God forever. <laughs> and we, we try to communicate with God like, hey, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. We serve a just God. We serve a God that his law is perfect. Amen. And he loved Jacob for whatever reason he loved him. I mean, Esau, can you imagine Esau, what he thought about God when he was so mad? Like, God, you know what Esau did. And you know, I mean, you know what Jacob did. And you know how he got his blessing. And you know how he tricked you. And you know all these things. And yet you still love him? And sometimes you get to a place like Esau, when you think it's not right, you begin to get mad at God. And you begin to stay away from God. And that's what Esau did. He stayed away from God because he thought he didn't think it was right that Jacob got the blessing. And so he says, Esau I have hated. I love less than. But Jacob I have loved because Jacob wanted to get know, to know me. Jacob wanted the spiritual blessing while Esau wanted this physical blessing. And so we go move into chapter 2. And he says, and now, O priests, this is the commandment is for you. Amen. So men that are married, men that are married, 
He says, now priests, because you are the priest of your home. Amen? Women, if you're single, guess what? You are priest of your home. But if a man is in your house and you are married, he's the priest of your home. If you're not married and you're a single mom raising children, you are the priest of the home. Because we already spoke about this in Peter. It says we are all priests. Amen? We are royal priesthood. And we have a responsibility for our homes. Men, you have a responsibility for your homes if you're married. Women, if you're not married, you have a responsibility for your homes. Whatever you do in your home is going to reflect on your children. Amen? So men, married men, take responsibility. You see, Adam was the first one to have that position. Someone say, Adam was the first one to have that position. And his position was this, to love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love his wife as he loved himself. Right? It was his responsibility to keep her away from the tree. I'll say it again. It was his responsibility to keep her away from the tree. Men, it is your responsibility to keep your wives away from stuff that they shouldn't be at. Oh, man, it's quiet. I said, men, it is your responsibility to keep your wife and your children away from things that's going to cause harm and it's going to cause death. Now, if you're a single mother, it is your responsibility to keep people away from things that they shouldn't be at. Because we are royal priesthood. And it's our responsibility. Amen? And you know the awesome thing is, is when you are married to another priest... You're on the same page. Amen? When you're married to somebody that has the same mind that, hey, I want what's best for my children, but most of all, I want what God wants for our family, you're in a good place. Have you never noticed when you're in that place, there's peace in your home? I said there's peace in your home. There's something about your home when you guys are on the same page worshiping God. There's something about your home. It's just a different place. It just has a different aroma. It has a different mindset. It just has a different feel. Amen? Because you know what, men? You know when something's wrong. And women, you know when you're married to somebody, you know when something's wrong. It's just not right. Something's not clicking. There's something wrong. It's not the same. Worship's not the same. It's just something's wrong. You can't put your finger on it, but you know something's there. Amen? So he says this. Therefore, I also have made you. Wait, no, go back to verse 1. Where, where are you going, buddy? I'll read it here. It's 1 through 9, by the way. He says if. Listen, and, and now, O priest, this is a commandment is for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. Now, I love what it says. It says, if you will not hear. It starts off like that. This commandment is for you. But if you do not hear, there's going to be some problems. He's trying to explain to them, listen, this is a commandment for you, priests, but if you will not hear, there's going to be some issues. Adam, if you do not listen and you allow your wife to go by the tree, eventually you're going to eat from it too. And then you're going to blame it on everybody. When I commanded you first. Hello? When I commanded you first. 
So take responsibility, priest. Hello, I'm speaking to myself today. I'm, I'm a priest. I'm a pastor. I'm a priest of my home. And he's saying, hey, take responsibility. If you do not listen, Joaquin, put your name there. If you do not listen, so-and-so, if you will not hear, something's going to happen. And it says, if you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart. Now, I love what he said that, if you will not hear, because a lot of times we hear, but we don't respond. Amen? I said amen. How many times we hear from God? And we go, God, you know I'm hearing. I'm hearing from you. But how many of you take it to heart? Which is a whole different thing. How many people have children? How many people have youth, teenagers, or a little bit older? And you tell them, hey, I'm talking to you. And they're saying what? I'm listening. I'm not dumb. I'm not deaf, right? That's not the response. I heard you. How many people know that? I heard you, Mom. I heard you, Dad. You don't have to tell me five times. I heard you. Has it ever happened to you? And guess what? They heard you, but they didn't take it to heart. I tell my son, Joaquin, Joaquin, listen to me. If I get home and your room is dirty, there's going to be problems. I heard you, Dad. You don't have to tell me five times. I get home, and guess what? It's tore up, and he calls it clean. And I'm saying, listen, you heard me, but basically you did not take it to what? Because if you would have took it to heart, that room would have been clean. And so he says, priest, I don't only want you to hear me. Hello, we heard you, John. God, how many times are you going to tell me? He says, I'm going to tell you until you get it right. And he says, I'm not only going to tell you, but I want you to take it to heart. I want you to get it down in your cotasone. You're like, cotasone? Cortisone, right? Something like that. You're like, man, Pastor, you're a great Spanish speaker. I wanted you to take it to heart. I want you to get it down. Because a lot of times we hear it with our mind, but we don't take it to heart. Amen? We have a lot of head knowledge, but not a lot of heart knowledge. We have a lot of head knowledge, but not a lot of heart knowledge. And he says, listen, if you don't hear and you don't take it to heart, there's going to be problems. How did we get here? You did not hear me, and you did not take it to heart. Adam, didn't I not tell you? And Adam, did you not hear me? And Adam, you did hear me, but obviously you didn't take it to heart. You didn't think I was going to do what I said I was going to do. And that's part of the problem with us disobedient children, not all of you, but most of us, we hear from God, we don't take it to heart, and then he disciplines us, and we're saying, why did you do that? We didn't think he was serious, right? Because I guarantee if Joaquin knew I was serious, the room would have been If he knew that I would walk in and discipline him, I'm pretty sure that room would. But guess what? He heard this. Dad always says that. He never does anything about it. Right? And you know what the attitude that we have? God always says that. But I never see him do anything about it. So do you got the scriptures yet? Almost. So let's read on. And he says, if you will not hear, 
And if you do not take it to heart and to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already because you did not take it to what? How many people are blessed? I said, how many people are blessed? You know, you're, you're so blessed that you can't even see straight. And you don't think sometimes you're blessed because maybe your car's a little older or maybe your house needs a little bit of TLC and maybe some things are not going according to your plans or maybe you wish you could get paid a little bit more. But let me tell you something. You've never been to places that are way worse than you. Have you ever been to Nicaragua like we were at? Where there's dirt roads and there's no really electricity and no place to use the restroom and there's really not that many jobs and there's a lot of poor people and there's a lot of killings and a lot of murders and there's a lot of things like that. But we don't see that because we close our eyes and we close our ears to those things. We're just worrying about, I'm so, oh man, I'm so mad. They shut down McDonald's and now I can't get there. That's our complaints. Man, I got to go to work and, you know, make $20 an hour. That's our complaints. Our complaints are so minor compared to reality. And when you think about it, our complaints are so small compared to reality. We're very blessed. And if you don't keep giving God glory on your blessing, because you know what before we used to say, thank you, Jesus. Remember when you, when, when you came to the Lord, when you ate, you're like, thank you, Jesus. This is so awesome. Anybody? It wasn't the food part. It was just like, I can't believe I'm eating and God loves me and everything's great. You remember that? Right? Especially when you're dating, you're in, you're in love, you just look at, oh, thank you, Jesus. You gave me this girlfriend, and I'm eating, and I'm happy, and I'm blessed, and I'm this. You were so thankful. You were so. Amen? I said amen. Do you remember that attitude you had? And if you didn't have it, you need to get it today. When you looked at your food and you were blessed, you looked at your house and you were blessed, you looked at your car and you were blessed, you looked at your husband and you were blessed, you looked at your wife and you were blessed, you looked at your children and you were blessed, you looked, at, listen, you were blessed and you were blessed and you were blessed and you looked at things and you were blessed and you loved to be a blessed and you said, thank you, God, all glory to God, all glory to God, all glory to God. And after a while, I was like, oh, you know what, this whole thing, what'd you make? What's this? And little by little, you ripped yourself off from your own blessings because you forgot to give God glory. I said, you forgot to give God glory. And he says, I will curse your blessing. Your mind will be different. And you know, a lot of times we think of blessing, we think of finances. You know what? You need to get out of that. I don't know where that doctrine came from, but that's from the devil. A blessing is that you're alive and that you're here today. A blessing is that you got an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. A blessing is the fact that God is giving you a chance to make it right. It's not always the financial blessing that they speak about on TV. Don't worry about the TV guy. Worry about yourself right now. And he says, you know what? I'm already cursing your blessing. Look around. Why is your car falling apart? Why is this falling apart? Why is that falling apart? Why is this? Why is it not working? Why is your work not so, you know, like it used to be? Why is your attitude not like it used to be? Why is it, you know, your children are not like they used to be? Why is it that your marriage is not like you used to be? Why is it that you're not feeling like you used to be? And you're getting mad, and all of a sudden you begin to blame God again. God says, where is my glory? You got one job to do. You got one responsibility, priests, and that is to give God glory. You were created for him, for his good pleasure. I said you were created 
for him, to give him good pleasure, to give him glory. The fact that you have a wife is just a blessing. But guess what? The, your real blessing is that you know who God is. And you were called to worship him even before the foundations of the world. He handpicked you. And God dealt with me. I begin to think, what's the important thing? It should be our children's ministry. Should we pour more money into the children's ministry? Should we, pour, should we do some more worship? Should we do some more dancing? Should we do more preaching, some more praying? Should we do me? And you know what the Lord says? What is it? Where, where am I in this? You know what we're like? We're like that husband that's willing to spend $1,000 to buy all these gifts for his wife because he doesn't want to spend time with her. Hello? That husband that would do all these financial things for his wife and go out of his way for his wife financially because he physically don't want to be next to her. So to keep her happy, he keeps giving her gifts. And yet God doesn't care about your physical gifts. He says, render your hearts, not your garments. He says, man professes me with their mouth. Religiously, they profess me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. How would you like to be in a relationship where you hear, I love you, when you know she doesn't love you? How would you like to be in a relationship when someone says they love you, and deep down inside, you know they don't love you, because love is an action. I said, love is an action. When you love somebody, you're willing to move heaven and earth for that person. When you love somebody, you, you got that love, love. You're, you're not worried about anything else but to get next to that person. You're not worried about it. You, you, hello. Remember being in high school when you are in love? Ran three miles to go see your girlfriend. Didn't even say one thing. Got there, sprayed some salve on you, knocked on the door, and you're ready to go. Because you were in love, you thought. Ride your bike, how, how far? You're laughing because you probably did it, huh? Rode your bike like five miles. I want to go there. I know somebody that rode their bike like 20 miles. Because he thought he was in love. But when it comes to the things of God, we're not even willing to drive five miles. When it comes to the things of God, we're not willing to go the extra mile. Hello? We're not willing to go the extra mile. Listen, the Bible says this. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Wait till you get into that love relationship with God again. Wait till you realize the most important thing that you were created for is to love a relationship with God. It's not about doctrine all the time. It's not about worship, singing songs and dancing and, and being in this building. Listen, the most important thing is this, for love relationship with Jesus. And you say, yeah. And you agree. But how many of us have that relationship with him? Me being your pastor at one time had a relationship with God where I loved him so much I could hear the heartbeat of him. And I could hear it and it was just, it would just go poof love. It was just love and help others and, and just keep pressing forward. And I could hear it. I could hear his voice and I could, I could feel it, man. And I, and I, and I would really willing to do whatever. And I heard it. And it kept pumping and pumping until guess what? I started listening to everybody else's heart. And don't tell me you're not been there the same place. Please don't tell me that, you, you know what, hey, man, pastor, that speak for yourself. I'm so in love with God today like I was when I first believed. Maybe some of you. But some of you had a priority 
in the morning to love God. Before anything else happened, you know what? Regardless, I got to get some love. I got to go and talk to dad. I got to go speak to him. I got to go hear from him. I got to go hear his heartbeat again. And now, listen, and this is why I'm, we got into Malachi. Because I was trying to think about it like, God, why would you bring us into the Malachi? Because he said for 400 years he was silent. Someone say 400 years. God was silent. Why was God silent for 400 years? And don't we feel as United States of America that God's not really speaking like he used to? It is not that God doesn't know how to speak. It's that we don't want to speak to him. And it's unfortunate. We're like those kids. The only time we talk to dad is when we need something. I'm not saying my kids. I'm just saying some kids. The only time we talk to dad is because we need something from dad. But when's the last time you say, dad, I love you. What can I do for you? How can I bring glory to your name? How can I honor you? Not with just my lips, but with my heart. So let's go back to Malachi. Hopefully he has it up now. He says, if you will not hear and take heed in your heart and give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, keep going. I will send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. Yes, I will curse them already because you did not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces. The refuse of your solemn feasts and the one who take away with it. Listen, I know what you're thinking like, okay, this is getting kind of deep here. So how many people know what that is? When he says, behold, I rebuke your descendants and I will spread refuge on your face. How many people know what refuse is? What if I told you it was dung? And the parts of the guts that there's no use. Intestines and, and someone say nasty things. Someone say nasty things. You see, you got to understand something right now. The priest had a responsibility to take the nasty things out of sacrifice. The priest had a responsibility to say, you know what, God, you want this, but you do not want nasty things. You don't want the dung. Amen? And what the priests were doing, they already had the temple. They began to offer, number one, lame sacrifices. We talked about that, sick sacrifices. But they weren't even taking the time to clean the sacrifices. I mean, can I just, can I just, just be straight with you guys, please? What if I said, you guys are all invited to my house? I'm serving dung tonight. Poop. I'm serving, forget it, tripas. I'm not going to cook them. And I'm going to leave the stuff in them. In fact, I'm going to put some extra in there. How many people will show up to my house and say, man, I can't wait to go have some dung? Please, someone almost lifted their hand. I was going to put them down. And you're saying, wait a second, Pastor, because that's exactly what he's saying. That part should have been taken outside of the camp and to be burned. In other words, why are you giving God dung? You're saying, Pastor, you're getting deep. I'm not getting deep whatsoever. I'm actually reading the scripture. 
And you know what God says? Don't bring that dung to me. Don't bring that stuff to me. Hey, Amen. How many people are getting sick and tired of people just bringing their crap to them? You're saying, oh, pastor, that, that's, that's kind of getting weird. Listen, how many people are tired of just people just coming to you and dumping, leading a, a load of dump right there? Come on. Somebody lift up your hand. Being honest. How many people are sick and tired of that? I mean, can't you just bring me a hamburger? Why are you going to bring your dung? How about some flowers? How many people are tired of just people just coming and unloading their dung on you right there and expect you to clean it up? Huh? Just leave it. Here it is. Enjoy it. And yet we think that we're going to get away from God. That we're just going to bring our stuff to him and walk away like, okay, God, clean it up. Here, I thought you might enjoy this. Clean it up. And you know what he says? I'm going to take it and shove it in your face. Thank you, Ray. Who said it, Ray? It says it right there. Okay, it's not me saying it. What, who, who said it? I'm going to take this dung and shove it in your face. It's gross? Then why do we offer it up to him? You know what? He's only going to give us what we give him. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. If you sow dung, you're going to get dung. Someone goes, dung, da, dung, dung, dung. And you might be sitting here saying, oh, my God, why did I come to church today? To hear that God's going to shove dung in my face? No, we're saying this now so you give him a clean offering. He says, I want you to pre present yourself a living sacrifice. Holy. Someone say holy. Not dungy. Holy. Someone say holy. When we come to God, because we are the sacrifices, we come to God. Let's not give him his, just the waste. Come on, somebody. Get rid of the waste. Get rid of the dung. And come to God as a living, pure sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. This is our reasonable service. Priest, you have a service to do, and it's to clean the dung. Don't be bringing that dung to me. Because if you bring it to me, I'm going to shove it in your face. You're like, oh, my God, what kind of church is this? You know why he said that? Because he said, what, and I'm going to help some people out here. Okay? Whatever you dung in secret, I didn't say do. Whatever you dung in secret, whatever little mess you're doing in secret, God says, I'm going to expose it. Hello, I'm going to expose it. I'm going to, and you know what? You, you can get away from it. Have you ever stepped in stuff? Amen? And not know? And you're looking at everybody like they smell? Have you ever stepped in some dung? And you're looking at everybody like, damn, that person stinks. That per Man, that person... And you're the one that stepped in it. You're the one that has it on your foot. Excuse me, I, I want to I drive a point home. In other words, whatever you think you're getting away with, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out. It's going to smell. People are going to notice. You're not a sweet smell in a Roman anymore. There's something stinky about your attitude. 
There's something stinking about your personality. There's something, you got a bad attitude. You got a, you got a bad disposition. You, you're not the same anymore. What happened? You know what? You stepped on some stuff. Rather than worshiping God, because when you walk into the room, they go, what kind of colonia is called Jesus? My goodness, why are you so happy? It's called Jesus. And that's the attitude as new believers we used to have. Remember that? It's Jesus this and Jesus that and Jesus this and Jesus that. Man, God bless this and God bless that. But now all of a sudden somebody told you to stay quiet. Just, just step on dung. Because you're embarrassed. And you know what he said? I'm going to put it in your face. Why? Because you know what? He was exposing them saying, I'm going to put you outside the camp where the dung's supposed to be. And that's why he said it. It wasn't to say he's just going to smear it on their face because he's mean. No, I'm going to put it on your face so you can be exposed so they can take you outside the camp where the dunk should be. Hey, where does trash belong? How many people know that, hey, about three weeks ago, the trash was not too happy? Right? You were back there, right? It wasn't, right? Because people put their stuff in there, right? Right, Ray? And the kids, in, even Micah told me, I go, Micah, get in the back because I ain't going back. It smells back there. I go, come on, Micah, couldn't smell that bad. So I went back there and by the track. It was awful, right? Because where does it belong? So where does dung belong? And where does trash belong? It does not belong in a worship service. I said it does not belong in the worship service. And so when you come to God, you want to give him your best. You want to give, your, you want to give God all glory. You want to give God the best worship. Come on, not no leftover worship. You want to give God his first worship. You want to give your God the first blessing. You want to give God his first. And he said, I'll take you away with it. Now listen, he's, he's not trying to be rude. He's trying to warn. This is what he says right afterwards. Verse 4. He says, then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my commandment was with the Levi may continue. In other words, listen, I'm telling you this so my worship can continue. I'm not telling you this to make a joke about it. I'm not telling you this to make fun of it. I'm telling you this so I can keep my covenant with you. That breaks my heart. Like I'm telling you this, son, because I know what's best for you. I'll promise you, if you do this, son, I, I'll do this. I have it for you. Just you take a step, I'll take a step. Son, I have this for you. You, you do this, I'll pay for that. Come on, I'll, I'll help you with this. I'll open this door. I'll, but I cannot bless disobedience. As much as I want to help you, daughter, as much as I want to help you, son, as much as I want to go the extra mile for you, you try and I'll try too. You go this way and I'll go that way too. Son, if you only knew what I have for you. If I only knew what I wanted to give you. If you, didn't, if you only knew what the blessing behind that door was, you would have done it what I asked you to do. That my covenant with Levi may continue. That my covenant with you may continue. You are the Levites. You are the worshipers. You're the one that's supposed to take care of the, the temple. In other words, let me tell you something. Parents, let me help you out here. 
You're the ones that's supposed to be the example. What example are you giving to your children? I remember my dad showed me crazy examples. He learned from his dad. But somebody had to stop the dung. Somebody had to stop the, 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 the nonsense, the waste. Somebody had to remind us why God created us. Somebody had to bless us and show us that there's another way. That the place does not have to be like that. Your house does not have to be like that. That I have a blessing for you. That I have a promise to you. That I have a covenant with you. And he says, I want to keep that covenant. Have you ever, marriage ever been hurt? Strained? Where you felt like, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can continue in this relationship anymore. I don't feel like it. I just don't have it. I think I'm losing love. And it has nothing to do with that. It's just you. And maybe it's her. But when you get back to that place of God, he restores that love. He restores, you begin to look at your wife again like you used to look at. You begin to look at your children like you used to look. You begin to look at your blessing like you used to. You begin to look at your church like you used to. You begin to look at things a little different. Because he wants to keep that covenant with you. He wants to keep that promise to you. He says, I promise you these things. Keep going. He says, my covenant will be with him. One of his life, one of life and peace. How many people can use some peace? Serious peace. I'm talking about that real peace. You know that one piece where you don't want to get up because you're so peaceful? Not that you're lazy. There's still times where you just don't want to get up because you're just lazy, right? Oh, man, I don't want to get up. And that's okay because everybody goes there. But I'm talking about that peace, man. I don't want this peaceful feeling to end. Anybody, you know what, what kind of minds we have? We get that peace, right? Like what could, oh, my God, everything's so good. Oh, my goodness, that just means there's going to be a, a war pretty soon, and there's going to be some problems coming up. And we start speaking, we, start, we become prophets of doom. Instead of saying, thank you, God, for this peace. Keep me in this peace. Right? We go, oh, God, thank you for this peace, but there must be a, a war coming up. That's why you blessed me. No, listen, start speaking life. Start speaking peace over your home. Start speaking peace over your children. Start speaking peace. Come on. Someone say, start speaking peace. He says, I give it to them that he might fear me. So he feared me, and I was reverent before my, he was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity. And he turned many from their iniquity. See, our responsibility, church, beloved priest, royal priesthood, our responsibility. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's your responsibility to be the example. Now, listen what I'm trying to tell you. How are we created in God's image, and yet they can't see Jesus in us. At work, they should see Jesus in you. At school, they should see Jesus in you. 
At home, they say, see Jesus in you. After all, he's our daddy. We are born again. Don't expect teachers to teach them. Because sometimes some teachers are just there for a paycheck. In other words, don't expect all pastors or everything you hear to teach us what reality is. You are the priest of your homes. You are the priest of this temple. Because there's priests out there that will teach you things that are not in the word. You say, well, he'll learn it from this and he'll learn it from that. No, listen, how about he'll learn it from you? And this is why he told Moses, hey, Moses, you write this down. Everywhere they go, write down this tablet. Write it down here and write it down there and write it down so they can hear. So they won't forget. When trials come and tribulations come, the very first thing when I did the marriage yesterday, I just didn't tell them all the good stuff. I warned them that, hey, hard times are coming. There's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. There's going to be financial needs. But let me tell you something. Remember the covenant that you made today. Remember the vows that you made today. The exchanging of the rings that you made today. Don't let anything else stop the word that came forth today. Now you still want to go through this. You go, man, I want you to do my wedding. No, I don't. And they looked at each other and said, absolutely. You know why? Because love will make you do stuff. Love will make you keep a covenant. Love will make you say, you know what, even through the storms, through the, you know what, you know why? Because we know the example of God. He says, what can separate you from my love? Can principalities, can powers, can mites, dominions, rulers, and high places, can, can, can famine, can death, can pestilence? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Somebody say nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Verse 7. For the lips of the priest should keep knowledge. Someone say knowledge. And the people should seek the law from his mouth. Now this is for us. I want everybody to read this. This last part right here. And instead of he, that's us. One, two, three. For who's the messenger of the Lord of hosts? Oh, you are, pastor. You keep preaching. No. You're the priest. I don't go home where you go. Hello. I don't go, I don't go to your address and live in your home and sleep in your bed. That's your responsibility. Except some people I know, <laughs> I go to their home. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say? McCoy, who's responsible for your wife? Not your neighbor, are you sure? Not, not her parents? Are you sure? Who's responsible? The day you made a vow, you became responsible. It's very simple. Who's responsible for their homes? We are. Who's responsible for this temple? We are. Listen, who are the priests that, that should, you know what the crazy thing is? And I got in this rant for such a long time. Oh, my God, this world is going crazy. Look what's going on. There's shootings and deaths and murders and, and rapes and this and that and earthquakes and famines and pestilence. Yes, that's all going to happen. But whose responsibility is to tell the world about Jesus? Who's the responsibility to give them knowledge about what's going to happen? It is our job to do that. Don't expect Google to do it. Don't expect the internet to do it. Don't expect somebody else to do it when it's our responsibility to do it. You know why? We are called to bring him glory. 
I said, we are called to bring him glory. Don't wait for a tragedy to strike in your family to come to the Lord when you could come now. And the people shall seek the law from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Keep going. Worship team, come on up. But you have departed from the way you have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and abased before all the people, because you have not, what? Kept my ways, but you have shown partiality in the law. In other words, listen to me. How many people know that you cannot change the law? How many of you ever get pulled over for going too fast? Anybody? It says 65, right? Officer, I was only going 75. Guilty. But I was going with traffic. Well, they, sh they should have got pulled over too. But you're the one that happened to get pulled over. But who goes 60? Who goes 65? Anybody here? You? Honest Abe, how fast you go? 40. No, you go the mileage, right? Because you don't want no tickets. He saves gas and he doesn't want tickets. Very selfish reason to stay that way. I'm just playing. There you go. But listen, what do we tell the officer? I was only going. I didn't see the stop sign. And it's, you know, maybe we did. But guess what? We broke the law. And so when he writes it on the ticket, he says, they were almost going a certain fastness. No, he tells you exactly what you did, right? And when you go before a judge, he says, listen, I, I would love to just say dismiss, but guess what? According to the state of law of California, if you go this fast, I have to give you this amount of fine. So why do we do that with the Lord? I am almost serving you the way I should be. Right? Lord, I do believe that, hey, I do believe in the blessings, and I do believe in all the good stuff that the law provides. Right? But I don't like the fact that you can't do this, and, and I shouldn't do that. And you know what? I'm going to just do a little bit. You still broke the law. In other words, priests, you have knowledge. You don't have ignorance. You have knowledge of what God's word says. Priests, hello, it's all of you. Royal priesthood, that's all of you. Mighty men of God, mighty women of God, that's all of you. What if I told you you cannot claim ignorance before the judge of judges? What if I told you you know the truth and the truth will set you free? What if I told you that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price that what he fulfilled the law? And so when the priest would offer up all this nonsense to God at the altar, the dung, the, test, the intestines, the, the lame sacrifice, the sick sacrifices. Instead of warning the people, hello. Instead of the priest saying, listen, I'm sorry, it, 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 that's not acceptable. Hello, men, fathers, husbands. Sorry, that's not acceptable in my house. That's not acceptable in my house. I cannot bless disobedience. Take that stuff outside the camp. Take 
that dung outside the camp. You're not going to stay here if you're going to bring that stuff in. I can't do it. I would rather be right with God than right with man. As much as I love you, son, as much as I love you, daughter, as much as I want to be next to you, I just can't because you want to give God this and a curse is going to follow that. I cannot show partiality in the law. Am I not a God of justice? And the sad thing is this. We're going to keep getting into Malachi, but the sad thing is this. Do you realize that Malachi is the last book written? Because they kept bringing the dung. They kept bringing the, the lame. They go, you know what, God, what are you going to do about it? And he says, listen, if you want to depart from me, I will depart from you. You want to offer that to me, then I'm going to shove it in your face and get out of here. If you want that type of relationship, then go ahead and keep it, but keep it to yourself. I have nothing to do with that. And the Bible says that God kept silent for 400 years. 400 years before Jesus came on the scene. The living word, the most powerful word, the priest of priests, the king of kings. And he gets there and he goes into the, the temple and he expects them to say, oh my goodness, here's God's son. Let's greet him. He says, they, he says my house shall be called a house of worship. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. My house should be a house of prayer, of sacrifice, of love. But you have turned it in. And they kept looking at the temple and said, isn't this temple beautiful? Isn't this temple beautiful? And he looked at it and he says, that temple will be destroyed. And he said, this temple will be destroyed. In three days, I will rebuild it again. This temple shall be destroyed, and I'll build it again in three days. And they're looking at him, you're nuts. But he was talking about himself. Now, if I were to ask you the question, why are you here? Because that's what I do on Sundays. Why are you here? Because you know what? I wanted to go this, and I, and I wanted to hear from the, work, the Lord. And, and I, but how many of you came here because you love Jesus? And this morning, I'm just going to give you a chance just to love him. Right where you're sitting, right where you're sitting, just say, you know what, God? I just want to love you. I just want to get to know you like I used to. God, will you clean my insides? Because the Bible says this. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Well, God knows it. In other words, God sees the stuff in your heart that shouldn't be there. He's the gardener that goes in and he plucks it out. He's the husbandman that comes in and cleans and prunes. And that's all you have to say is, God, I want you to get rid of this stuff because I know it's no good for me. It's no good for my heart. It's no good for my family. It's no good for my, ch my church. It's no good for me. It's no good for me. God, will you clean my heart? Will you clean my heart? Will you clean my heart? God, I want a relationship with you. I want you to be my father. I want you to be my husband. I want you to be my best friend. I want you... God, will you help me? I want a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus.